2: On DAB, online, via the Talksport app, and on your smart speaker.
3: Women's Football Weekly with faker others and leading guests from the world of women's football. Cuts back onto her right foot Um. and finds the next. On Talksport 2.
0: Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. We had a full slate of weekend fixtures for the first time in what felt like forever. And football definitely didn't disappoint with late drama at the top and bottom of the table. And Tovin Hayes won one! Aston Villa left it late but secured a huge win, easing fears they could be sucked into a relegation scrap.
4: Away from the challenge, tries to thread it through, takes the deflection off of Howard, Lehman's in,
0: and would you believe it, Aston Villa punish Leicester with a goal in the 92nd minute. We'll be hearing from one of the biggest names in the women's game on her comeback from injury.
5: There's nobody who goes through surgery and has a completely smooth kind of rehab process. We put on a smile and say, yeah, everything's gone great, it's fine,
0: but in reality there are ups and downs. Can't wait to hear from Manchester City and England's Lucy Bronze. We'll also chat refereeing, the Women's FA Cup and bring you the latest transfer news. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show.
4: Across the UK, online and on DAB Digital Radio.
0: Hi, I'm
2: Georgia Stanway and you're listening to the Women's Football Weekly on TalkSpark2.
0: Hello, hello, happy Monday to you all. Slightly later time for us here on Women's Football Weekly. But many of you will be listening on the podcast, I'm sure. I hope you've had a good week and the football kept you entertained over the weekend. Lovely to have in the studio with me today, Becky Spencer, Tottenham Hotspur and Jamaica goalkeeper. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. It's lovely to actually see you face to face. You've obviously been on the show before, but it was in Zoom times. So it's great to actually see you and actually it's the first time we've spoken to you since you got your call up for Jamaica, made your debut in June. How's it been going?
6: Yeah, no, it's been really good. Um, It was a really positive camp and, you know, I came back and I wanted to go again. So, you know, I couldn't have thought of a better place to go and, you know, with such a great bunch of girls, it was such a, you know, really good experience for me. And building up to the world cup
0: and some qualifiers coming up crucial ones
6: yeah uh, we've got Bermuda and Grenada in our next qualifiers so I'm really looking forward to that um you know the the squad's you know starting to take shape
0: and it looks really good at the moment so yeah I'll really looking forward to it. Good season at Tottenham as well. You've had some tricky results of late, but your form was was fantastic at the start of the season.
6: Yeah, I mean, it's, it was a really, really good start from us and, you know, we was enjoying playing together and, you know, we're a really tight-knit group um, and, you know, Ryan's worked really hard in pre-season with us on team bonding and you know just the balance and having a healthy team environment and I think that's shown in performances and you know of late we've had you know some sticky kind of results and stuff but it's nothing that we can't put right coming up into the next
0: up and coming games. Now I know you had a bit of a tough time of it in in November when you caught COVID and we're going to speak about that later on in the show Mm -hmm. because I think people actually underestimate what getting covid badly or getting long covid as emma hayes said melanie leopold's um has is is really tough for i mean it's tough for anybody but for elite athletes even more so so we'll delve into that a little bit later in the show but there is really only one place uh to start football wise and that's manchester city against arsenal a tense match filled with plenty of controversy
4: bronze it's off the referee asked him what it stopped it has gone from a City player to another City player although Meade might have cut that out here goes Lauren Hemp oh brilliant ball for Buddy Shaw back in the side back on the score sheet fit again and scoring again Buddy Shaw the complaints will continue about the weather the whistle should have gone though even so it's yet another brilliant assist from Hemp it's crowded in there Steedius. And Tobin Heath, 1-1! One, one. Tobin Heath off the bench, the stoppage time hero
3: for the Gunners.
1: The performance was was of, uh, was of full of heart tonight. I couldn't see, I know there was a definite deflection, but I wasn't sure if it was off the referee, or I'd have to have a look at it again. Um, but we've had our fair share of that this season. So um, it was nice for one, if it has hit the referee, to go for us. As far as I know the rulebook, um, and I'm humble enough to say that sometimes I also can be wrong, but as far as I know the rule book, the referee should. Blow the whistle when the ball hits her and uh, and uh, drop the ball.
0: Oh, controversy galore there. Gareth Taylor, Manchester City boss, with the most manager-like response. I didn't see it, Gov. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, listen, we're going to hear a little bit more from uh, Arsenal boss Jonas Audeville in a second on that controversial goal. Obviously, it means Arsenal stay top, Becky, after uh, Tobin Heath's uh, goal. Your Jamaica teammate, Bunny Shaw, on the score sheet as well. But the controversial issue here was that opening City goal and the fact that the ball did hit the referee in the build-up. Abigail Byrne, the referee, didn't stop play for a drop ball. And Jonas Oedewaer was incandescent with rage.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think we're used to it. You know, when the, when the ball hits the referee, it get the the play gets stopped. Um, but I think the laws of the game state that she was in the right with the decision that she made. Um, obviously, as an Arsenal supporter, an Arsenal player, you are going to feel, you know, hard done by, but it's her job. And at the end of the day, it's a, it's a part of the rules. I mean, I, I think the problem is, I think it needs to be clearer. I think maybe they need to look into the, into the rules a little bit more um, and to make it clearer, in terms of that you know to make the rules a bit different and just to change it up because it's not it wasn 't clear enough, and I think that's the the issue here, which is why everyone thinks the game should have been stopped. but when you actually look at the rules, that is the laws of the game that it didn't there was no advantage being played it it's usually if the if the ball goes to the opposition team, then it gets stopped, so it 's gone to the same team yeah um you know it is it has put them in a better you know position. But at the same time, it's the laws of the game. So, you know, as a referee, she's just done her job.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll give you because I spoke to the PGMOL earlier on today. And this is the guidance that, that was sent to us. And you're spot on there, Becky, because they say if possession changes after the referee's hit by the ball, she's obliged to stop the play. In this case, possession didn't change sides. It remained with Manchester City. As a side note to that, the referee also has to make a subjective judgment as to whether the fact the ball hits her... It, the ball that hits her starts a promising attack or not and Manchester City were actually in their own half and still at 60 or 70 yards from goal and when you look at it like that it, it does absolutely make sense but that did not stop Jonas Eideval having this run
1: afterwards If we're going to be on, on Sky Sports refereeing matches I think the referees should be given all the resources that they need in order to to prepare and and practice and uh Working on the fitness, and I think that's that's where we need to help each other in the in the football family. Uh, so, so, so for me, uh, I'm much more for trying to raise the standard around refereeing because that will do that. Uh, more women uh, starts refereeing as well because it gets um, more um, more attractive and. I'm also like this. I know I can be animated on the sidelines, but I've also tried being a referee when I was younger, uh, refereeing youth football, and I was not a good referee, even if I think I am like that on the sidelines. Uh, and, and I remember experiences having coaches to... Uh, that even after the game didn't speak nicely to me. And, and, and that's not a nice feeling to, to anyone. And that's not the kind of role model I want to be either. So that's why I'm saying everyone is going to make mistakes, players, coaches, referees. And the only thing I'm always going to be an advocate for is to raise the things around it uh, to, to give them the best possible conditions uh, in performing.
0: That's aside Shona Seideval there, the, the Arsenal manager. And he makes a really good point, Becky Spencer, because, you know, I think everybody is in agreement that things need to improve, standards have to improve, but the the structure has to be there in place in the first place. And obviously, Bibiana Steinhouse is now in a position as the women's select group director of the PGMOL, and hopefully that's going to start to happen. Um, also, hopefully, we'll be speaking to Bibiana here on Women's Football Weekly. We've been trying to get a, a, a refereeing representative to come and speak to us and actually explain what's going on behind the scenes to try and, uh, and raise standards. Uh, you know, the FA have been putting on masterclasses and all sorts and, um, and you know, we want to find out how things are going to improve because it, it's absolutely vital.
6: Yeah, I mean, we have conversations as players all the time about whether we would be referees or not, whether we would give it a try. No, or... thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my first thought. I thought, no, thanks. Like, you know, it's, it's a real difficult job. Um, and I think... You know, when you're playing in the game and the emotions and the heat of the game, you know, it's easy to take your frustrations out on the ref, you know, but they've got a job and if they do make mistakes, everyone makes mistakes. So it's, it's one of them situations where it has to improve. But then, like you said, the structure, the foundation, everything has to be there and available for people who actually want to give that job a go. Um and the, from grassroots i think that's another thing it's it's difficult it's a difficult place to go i've i've been at you know kids games and i've seen the abuse that that referees get and that's at kids at a kids level so you know I, it doesn't surprise me that not a lot of people really want to go into that
0: industry no um she has had backing though from uh, former premier league referee mark howsey he was asked about the incident on talk sport earlier on today this was his response on hawksby and Jacobs.
4: no no i mean listen the referee was correct to play on because as possession did not change as a result of the ball striking her. Now, had the, had the possession changed and went to a, an Arsenal player, then she would have stopped it and, 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 and had a dropped ball. But because possession didn't change, she was quite within her right to, to play on because Man City still had possession. That's us
3: she She's taking an awful yeah. lot of and, heat and, and remember, today, the referee, remember. in that game. <laughs> Um,
2: Sorry, it's funny taken... how we don't all know the no, rules because I just automatically assume the minute it hits the ref, you have to stop. Yeah, i saying
3: she's taken yeah. a lot of heat she's that seen. referee today on sort of social media and beyond, and she she yeah. had the coaches railing at her. But with well, you say within the, the the laws of the game, she didn't do anything wrong.
4: Yeah, no, she didn't. And and, and remember, look, uh, what, what was it eighty eighty yards from goal? They still had a lot to do, a long way to go. So. You know, look at the look at the way Arsenal defended that situation. But you know, as as as, as I said, the, the, the possession didn't change, so the possession stayed with Manchester City, and you, you can you can play on. She's played she's played the advantage and get on with the game.
0: Former Premier League referee Mark Halsey there speaking to uh, Talk Sports Hawksby and Jacobs, and saying exactly what we've just said here. And actually, I think it's really important because referees do get so much stick on social media and beyond they're an easy target but actually perhaps we all need to learn and the managers need to learn the rules of the game and, and support these people because they're doing a very very tough job and they're doing it to the best of their abilities making split second decisions
6: exactly and obviously in this situation she's in the right so you know she's getting a lot of you know backlash from it but She's just done her job, which is, you know, and I think, you know, the the coaches and whoever has gone for her, they need to kind of apologise, I think. She's worthy of it. And because all it's done now is just created a more, you know, negative spin on refereeing, which she hasn't done anything wrong. So I think she deserves an apology, in my opinion, um, you know, from from managers and whatever for, for calling her out on something that she's got the decision right on
0: really good point i hope you're all listening <laughs> no more social media and please apologize to to referees I, I 100% agree with you um i mean it was a massive game in in the title race just to just to wrap this up really when you think a point really not that helpful for for either side bearing in mind the games in hand that chelsea have got
6: yeah i mean i think the way the game went i think it was the fair result out of it um And, you know, it's just been such a weird season. I think, you know, with clubs taking points off each other, you don't know what results are going to be. I love that, though. Yeah, it's been a real competitive season. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, So even with Chelsea's games in hand, you don't know which way they're going to turn. So it could be a point gained for both teams. Or, you know, like you said, it could be two points lost. But... At the same time, I think just getting points on the board at this stage, however they come, is is the best thing for for any team that are fighting for that
0: top three spot. Yeah, well, Talksport Two is the place to come for all the uh, big games in the title race, including Chelsea against Manchester City on the sixth of February and Manchester City Manchester United on the thirteenth of February. So make sure you tune in for those. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talksport Two. I'm Faker Rothers, Tottenham goalkeeper Becky Spencer's with me in the studio. Coming up, we're going to chat more through all of the weekends. WSL action. This is Women's Football Weekly on Talksport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers, Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper Becky Spencer's with me today. Don't forget if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the Talksport app, so just go ahead and download it today. Uh, right, some hectic games in the FAWSL this weekend. Let's take a look back at this weekend's Women's Super League action with now.
3: Women's football weekly preview on Talksport Two with a Now Sports membership. Stream weekly weekend matches from the Women's Super League live without a contract from just nine ninety nine. Search Now Sports eighteen plus. Stream via internet. Terms apply.
0: Okay, this doesn't look like happy reading for Becky Spencer. I'm afraid Manchester United three, Uh Tottenham nil. You are on the bench for this one, Becky. How did you observe the game? Yeah,
6: I mean. It was a it was a real tough game. It's a real tough place to go to, and I think um, you know we've got to give respect to to Man United. They are a very good team, um, and that is their home. And you know their fans are, are great, um, and they've really made it their fortress. There, um, you know, we were really. I think you know it was a very disappointing performance from us, um, and we all know that. Um, we didn't start off the game as as well as we should have, and you know there were three goals that we conceded that were you know kind of they were all avoid avoidable. Um, so yeah, you know, for us it was a it was a long week because it was a three-game week and you could see, you know, maybe some tiredness started to set in and you know with with the squad being quite small at the moment, it was a definitely a factor in in the game. Um but like I said Man United are, you know, pushing for for the third place and well pushing for the you know, could anyone could win the league at this point anyway. So, you know, they're pushing for that top three space and it's a, you know, it's just it's wide open for them.
0: It's interesting you say that they're pushing for that top three space. Why aren't Tottenham pushing for that top three space? It's such an open league, open title race this season. The mindset, perhaps, should be that, you know, even though you've got a smaller squad, you're you're not, you know, one of the big three, if you like, yet. Yeah. But should that be the mindset of Tottenham Hotspur?
6: Yeah. I mean, you know, we've we've all we know how good we are as a squad, um and we all said we're gonna take each game as it comes and take the rough with the smooth kind of thing and that's exactly what we're doing and we're kind of riding that wave at the moment where some results are not going for us and you know obviously we we got that late equaliser against us against West Ham on Sunday. And then obviously we've got a positive result in midweek, and then moving on to this and then it's another negative result. So for us, we've just got to pick things back up again and, you know, we're pushing for it as well. Um, but like I said, we just go game by game and take it week by week because we don't know what could happen, you know,
0: during the season. It's just finding some consistency, isn't it? Which yep. it it seems at the moment is impossible for, for anyone to be able uh, to do that. Reading perhaps, mm-hmm. the, the, the informed side, Manchester City of course um, as well. Interesting one with uh, Manchester United's Millie Turner. She didn't feature after the club announced she had an issue with an artery in her neck so she was unavailable for that game and an indefinite period that they're now saying um recent medical investigations revealing this this issue she's gonna be working with specialists and have modified training and, and reassessments in the coming weeks and months
6: I mean, you know, we didn't know that before the game. So, you know, all we can do is wish, you know, Millie a a speedy recovery and hope that it's something that can be resolved as soon as possible because she is a a fantastic player and an important, important part of their team.
0: Yeah, she really is. Uh, Good luck with your recovery, Millie. We hope to see you back on the grass very, very soon. She tweeted out, thanks for all the well wishes. Uh, I'm okay, taking it easy. Lucky to have the best supportive people and medical team around me. We wish you the very best from here, from everyone here at Women's Football Weekly. Uh, Right. Brian. Brighton nil, Chelsea nil. Producer Flo was at this one, and I have to say she was due a goalless game because she was covering uh, the EFL championship at the weekend and had a gold for she was covering the EFL championship at the weekend and had a goal fest at Reading, so I think you were due Flo a nil nil.
2: I was. I was very much due a nil nil. Um it was an entertaining nil nil, I think. You like, you could say it was not the worst nil nil I've seen. Um but one of those weird days for Chelsea, I think a bit like that defeat they had at Reading lots of chances Erin um, Cuthbert had an open goal that she missed, she hit the crossbar as well Fran Kirby had a one on one in the first half that she probably should have scored, Megan Wool, she's been really good for Brighton this, this season, I mean goalkeepers U- Union Becky, she was brilliant yesterday got mad of the match um, and she, she's, had, she's sort of kept Brighton a lot of their games this season and I think it was an important game for them to kind of reset get a clean sheet again because they'd been on a bad bad run up until then and I think they'd conceded hence not scored. They still haven't scored since the 14th of November. But they scored. They'd conceded something like 11 goals in their across their last WSL fixtures. Um, six defeats in all competitions. It'd been pretty bad. So I think it was important for Brighton to reset start again in the new year with this this result. But Chelsea, Emma Hayes post-match, to be honest, she wasn't particularly frustrated. I asked her, was that frustrating? She said, I don't like using that word. You know, we, we, we played well. It was just one of those days. So given the draw in the evening, I think she was pretty, probably pretty chuffed because that was the ideal result for Chelsea. So actually, they probably look on that weekend as, as not the, the end of the world.
0: For Brighton, though, Becky, I think that's a good point for Brighton, bearing in mind their form's been terrible of late
6: yeah I mean you know a brighton side are always very well disciplined hope's got them you know you know they're really well organized hard to break down. Um, and, you know, especially games that we've played against them, it's just been, a, we lost early on in the season, I think it was 2-1, and it was just such a tough game. They make it really, really hard for, for teams to play. Um, but like you said, because their form has been, you know, quite poor, you know, off the back end of, of Christmas, I think they needed this. They needed this point. And I think, you know, against Chelsea as well, it's a big point. So, you know, they'll push on now from this, I think, and gain some momentum.
0: Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um Massive, massive win for Aston Villa. 2-1 over Leicester City. 93rd minute winner from Alicia Lehman giving Villa the, the points and a little bit of breathing space as well in the relegation battle. They're now nine points clear of Birmingham with a game in hand as well and they probably needed that.
6: Yeah, I think being down there, I've been down there twice now in that relegation battle and every game is just a slog and a fight. Um, so, you know, that last minute win, I would have been, you know, a really, it's really important for them just to give themselves a bit of a separation. But being down there is no fun at all. It's just, you know, game after game, you're trying to create something and, you know, if things are not going for you, it's a really, really difficult place to be. So for Leicester, you know, they're going to feel, you know, really disappointed and, you
0: know, disheartened from that, I can imagine they have been looking out for Birmingham City's result, though, and it was another defeat. Reading 3, Birmingham 2, and the second time this season that Birmingham threw away a two-goal lead and ended up losing 3-2. I mean, that's just, that's unforgivable.
6: Yeah, I mean, you know, with, I know Marcus Bignot, I worked with him at, when I was at Birmingham and, you know, I reckon he would have been, you know, utterly disappointed, especially throwing away a 2 nil you know, lead. is kind of unheard of for a Birmingham team, you know, once they're 2-0 up usually they're solid, you know, and but like we said, Reading are in, you know, fantastic form um, so you couldn't really put it past them
0: to to get the comeback and that they did. So Justine Van Havermaier, a Tash Dowie penalty and Emma Harry's goal cancelling out Gemma Lawley and Jade Penick's goals uh, for Birmingham. It's now a club record, four WSL wins in a row for Reading and we were talking off-air, weren't we Becky, about what Kelly Chambers has managed to do at, at Reading again with another another small squad and, and plenty of injuries they've had this season and always have youngsters on the bench but really doing it now.
6: Yeah, it's just about finding a way. I think when you're you're struggling squad wise and with numbers, it's definitely about finding a way. And, you know, for the younger players, it's an experience for them to to be up there and training with the first team. And you can really kind of separate the ones who are going to be able to put up with the league and be able to, you know, fight for a place in that squad. And all it does is give them, you know, opportunities to to go on a big stage and go and play. So for these young players, they'll be loving it.
0: Reading goalkeeper Grace Maloney, though, nasty head injury uh, f- for her in the build-up to the second goal. She was stretched off in the end, went to hospital. She is okay. Uh, the club released a statement last night saying she's back home, which is which is great news. But I wonder whether she'll be featuring in the next couple of games or not.
6: Yeah, I mean, she'll be a massive loss. I mean, she's you know a key part to, to how Reading have been playing. Um, She's a big character as well in their team. Um, So, you know, all I can do is hope that she, you know, recovers well. Being a goalkeeper, it's a a horrible place to be. You know, you've got to be brave and you're diving at people's feet and and whatnot. So I know she's brave and hopefully she comes back stronger from her injury.
0: Yeah. Uh, Final game of the weekend, West Ham 3, Everton 0. I mean, it just gets worse and worse for Everton this season.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a bit of a weird season for for Everton. I don't know, you know, I don't know what their identity is. And, you know, it's kind of hard to kind of find what you know with change of manager as well it's always difficult and i think for for them as players they've got to stick together and you know find a way like i said before it's all about finding a way in this league and once you get one win you never know you can pick up some kind of momentum and just more of a positive attitude towards the next game i think you know anything can happen for them so i
0: think for them they just
6: got to stick together through this period that's all they can really do
0: frustrating when they dominated the early stages as well but west ham had uh, the quality in the end um just 47% possession for West Ham but four shots on target three goals you know you have to take your chances
6: yeah I mean West Ham is another team that, that they've that on their day they you know they're really hard to come up against and they never give up which is something that we've obviously come off the back end of um, so yeah for, for, for West Ham it's obviously a great result and um, yeah I mean they're, they're flying now they can take positivity to the next game
2: I just want to jump in as well actually on West Ham because I think they're kind of un- they're underrated they've been they're on a nice little WSL unbeaten run at the moment I don't think they've lost since November and Ollie Harder has got a very sort of intriguing interesting style of play high press try and turn over the ball and score as quickly as possible and kind of works it's it's a bit chaotic and inconsistent and they've thrown away a few get, g- games quite late on this season but they've also got tremendous belief in team spirit we saw last week in that game against Becky's Spurs, how how well they did. So, yeah, so I think they're an interesting one. Definitely a team to watch. I think people should keep an eye on what they're doing because I feel like they're going to slowly creep up the the table. I don't think they'll in the chance of the Champions League, but I think they're going to really take a few people by surprise. Yeah, They're
0: on 17 points now, having played 11 in seventh place. And, you know, we talked... Uh, earlier on in, in the season when Ollie Harder had taken over uh from Matt Beard and it just it didn't seem to be clicking for him and everybody was kind of questioning whether or not it was it was the right appointment but it goes to show you- got To give managers a little bit of time to implement their own philosophies,
6: yeah. I think you know, when Ollie went there, I think now they're you know buying into his way of playing, and because they play a three at the back, which is a it's quite an expansive formation to play. Um, and they they seem to have been adjusted to that really, really well recently. And of course, he's brought in his own players as well, which is you know so important because when you go into a new club, if you haven't got the players that you prefer, it's a difficult kind of squad to kind of manage and not manoeuvre. just that, you've
0: got to have the relationships as exactly. well, so that there are people in the dressing room that have into your philosophy yeah. that can then you know make sure that everybody else is is yeah. on the same page
6: and it's about trusting as well like you've got you put a lot of trust into your manager so if all the players are buying into that and trust the the process of it then of course you're going to get you know great results out of it
0: absolutely right that was a look back at the weekend's action with now don't forget with a now sports membership you can stream the biggest moments from the women's super league as well as premier league all without a contract just search now sports
3: Women's football weekly preview on Talksport Two with a Now Sports membership. Stream weekly weekend matches from the Women's Super League live without a contract from just nine ninety nine. Search Now Sports eighteen plus. Stream via internet. Terms apply.
0: Right, coming up, we're going to be chatting WSL transfers, looking at the championship, and previewing the fourth round of the Women's FA Cup.
6: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style
0: game without blowing your budget? You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2 with me, Faker Rothers and Tottenham and Jamaica goalkeeper Becky Spencer. Uh, some transfer news for you and sad times because Carly Telford is leaving Chelsea, one of the longest-serving players there as well. Producer Flo had spotted tears from her in the post-match huddle uh, from their goalless draw against Brighton at the weekend. She was linked to Leicester City and potentially Manchester City as well with their injury uh, issues uh, at key at the moment but it was confirmed in a statement from Chelsea today she's leaving for the USA and San Diego Wave Casey Stoney's, uh team Alex Morgan and Jodie Taylor there of course as well uh, are going to have her services sad times for me I, I love Carly she's just she's wonderful and she's such a fantastic part of any dressing room she's been for the second time at, at at Chelsea for for 5 years now and she she'll be a big miss.
6: Yeah, she will be a big miss. Um you know, she's a great character Carly. Um you know, she kind of keeps the squad together as well and you know when someone that's been there for so long leaves it really does leave a hole you know in in place of her. Um but she's been a wasted talent. I mean, she hasn't played in, in so long and, you know, just getting little bits of games and, you know, playing here and there. You know, she couldn't get any consistency. She's been, a, you know, she's been, a like I said, a wasted talent and she de- deserves to play somewhere. So this is a massive move for her and hopefully it can get her in the squad for the for the Euros coming up.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed for her. She's going to be at Kings Meadow, Chelsea fans, on Wednesday for the game against West Ham to say a proper farewell to the fans. I know you'll all be giving her a fantastic ovation as she well deserves. Uh, Some other transfer news uh, for you. Jill Scott in talks with a potential loan move to Spurs. I'm not going to put Becky on the spot and (laughs) ask her if she's seen Jill at the training ground. Uh, Several other WSL clubs uh, also thought to be interested, as you would expect, uh, for a player of Jill Scott's ilk. Uh, Let's round up the championship results, shall we? Liverpool stay top. What a fantastic season. They're having a 4-0 win over Crystal Palace. Charlton going into third with a 2-0 win at Bristol City. Durham and Sheffield United drew 1-0. Lewis beat Sunderland 2-0. Watford had a goalless draw with Blackburn Rovers and London City Lionesses beat Coventry United 1-0 thanks to a late, late goal from Kenny Thompson. But great news for Coventry uh, United despite that defeat because Lewis Taylor's takeover of them has been confirmed. He tweeted on Friday, deal signed. Delighted I can now officially the for Coventry United LFC. Thank you so much, everyone, for your support. It's an exciting challenge ahead. We, of course, had Lewis on uh Women's Football Weekly just a couple of weeks ago, and we wish him the very best of luck. We'll be keeping up to date with him to see what plans he has uh for Coventry. Did you watch that um whole saga with with interest, Becky?
6: Yeah, I mean we had played them, I think it was like maybe the night before, um, in the Conti Cup. Um And it just shows you how quickly things can turn. I mean, I don't know how long that had been going on for or or whatever, but, you know, it's just, you just feel for the players in these situations. Like, just one minute it's there, the next minute it's gone, and then people are then having to start to think about what they're going to do with their career or, you know, where the next pay is going to come from. And it's just so unfair and, you know, unjust for for female athletes, especially Like it's just, you know, it's a sad, it's a sad, it was a sad, sad day, but I'm just glad that someone's taken over now to, you know, hopefully bring them back
0: up to where they should be. Absolutely. And we wish Coventry the very best of luck for the rest of the season. Um, Now it's FA Cup fourth round this weekend. Exciting times. Some standout fixtures uh, for you include Nottingham Forest against Manchester City. Fourth tier, Billericay playing Coventry United. Uh, What else have we got for you? Bridgewater United, Manchester United. We'll have a little bit more on that very, very shortly because... Bridgewater are one of the lowest ranked teams left in the competition, uh, they're in the third tier, uh, then of course we've got Huddersfield Town against Everton as well you've got Leicester City, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, we'll be confident going into that game and you know,
6: we'll take it like I said game by game and you know, so it's the FA Cup so the magic of the FA Cup is uh, is always something to look forward to.
0: So we'll sprinkle some of that FA Cup magic fairy dust into our Women's Football Weekly studio today, shall we? Because I'm very, very pleased uh, that we're joined by the COO of Bridgewater Water United, you and Greenhill. Now, how are you doing, Ewan?
3: Yeah, very well, thank you. Good to ha- good to be here.
0: Excellent. It's lovely to have you. I've got uh, Tottenham Hotspur goalkeeper Becky Spencer in the studio with me. We're delighted you've got such a fantastic draw for the fourth round. What were your thoughts when uh, when they were taken out of the pot?
3: Yeah, I was listening to you guys that uh, that few weeks ago, hearing the numbers being called, and I had the uh, the draw sheet in front of me, trying to pick out who it was. And there was that moment. Um, stood in my kitchen going there can only kind of be big teams now and that kind of moment of oh my goodness what is this going to be Um, and then yeah once we got the the call there it was like alright okay Um, this is actually a bit surreal um, (laughs) to be drawn out and obviously the club gone through such a, a transition and a big change in the summer it was like yeah this is this is just what we just what we need at, at this moment in time.
0: Yeah for any other women's football weekly listeners that don't know what what you went through in the summer can you just explain what happened with Yeovil and and where you kind of are now?
3: Yeah so we um i say we the collective as myself and um the owner of, of the football club Adam Murray um got involved with uh men's non-league Side so in, in step five of of the pyramid of the non-league system, and um, we took kind of management control of that about October um, a year and a bit ago now. So with that, we saw that Bridgewater was a real home for for what was the um at the time and had been when the club was in WSL. Uh, it was their training base when we were full time all the way through. So it was a real kind of homecoming opportunity for us to bring. What was a really well supported men's club together with a really strong women's club pathway um right the way through from the girls all the way up to the to the senior team and we brought that together under a new newly branded um name of bridgewater United which took both elements together and brought it together alongside the community sports trust to basically kick start um a real kind of Movement for change within, within the town and and the region of kind of Sedgemoor and Somerset itself. Yeah. How,
6: how are you preparing for the game? And you know, with fans and stuff. You know, with it being at home. You know, how are you able to push kind of you know the fan base? And and you know, are you doing anything special, or is it just you just preparing for it as know, normal?
3: We we lined up um, you know, a lot of local media um, with the planned release of tickets online, and we you know we had a call to arms. Um, kind of media slots planned to push it and within releasing the tickets on the Thursday night we sold four figures within just over the 24 hours,
0: wow. broke the
3: Fairfax track record um, within just over that I think a couple of days that was gone, um, we are good to beat what was Yoval's, um record in the WSL Spring Series back in 2017 which was just below 1900 and we did that within a week or so so the the, the interest to be fair it kind of caught us out a little bit as I say we had originally planned to you know really push the game and instead we were having to change tact on in, interviews on, on the likes of local radio as a Wow, look at the interest sort yeah. of um, angle on it. it. It's really, it's really taking a um, taking the the whole locality by storm. It really has. Um...
2: I was just going to say, you and I actually got a message from someone on on Twitter after your your third round game against against Palace, in which they were talking about what was quite unique about the Bridgewater situation with your games being at home. Is that the split of gate receipts in, in the Women's FA Cup is actually much more skewed towards the, the home team. So for you guys, unlike in the in the men's game where the away side normally get a slice as well and to sort of balance out revenue, although obviously the prize money is still disappointingly low, for you guys, this is actually really exciting because you're going to pretty much keep, I think, most of the gate receipts from this game, which is probably life-changing money. Not life-changing, but a lot of money for a club of your size.
3: Yeah, and, and look like, if we take the prize money part first, it's it's one of those topics that is very hotly spoken about and you know, I'm sure as the competition continues to grow and I must admit the the content team within the FA who have been are helping do some work with us this week have been magic in pushing the women's FA Cup. You know, it's really good out there and I can one hundred percent we can feel that kind of growth within the competition. Mm. Um and I think we also have to be kinda of realistic as well that, you know, the competition does have a lot of space to grow into and, and needs to grow into to, to really command that growth in prize money. Um we know that it's kinda of like for like with the VAS. I'm in a really unique position that, you know, last weekend I was working on an FA VAS game for our men's side. So I can get when it comes to filling in those payment and receipt forms where you split the take 50-50 after all your costs. um, You have to pay for the away team's um, travel. Mm. You know, in the women's game, some of those costs would be a really hard-hitting cost to some clubs. So although 100% the the prize money would be great here, coming from that financial point of view from a club it would be magnificent to have more I'm sure they'd say the same in the men's um, competition as well but we also are lucky in the fact that we don't have some of the, as you mentioned, the additional payments to pay out or or splits and for us with a game like this weekend it does help because actually the infrastructure needed on on a game like that and the crowd size is a lot more so we are having to pay out a bit, um, so it's it's actually kind of working probably in our in our favour.
0: When you talk, I mean, it's always awkward. You may not want to talk about figures, and and it's not always transparent in the women's game. But when we're talking about the kind of money that you might get from from this weekend, what are you able to do with it? How significant is it, and what would it mean uh, for Bridgewater United going forward?
3: Oh, it's, a, it's a significant sum in in building. Um, and building ourselves forward again. Um, I think everyone's well aware of the situation of the club um, a couple of seasons ago. Um, followed off the back of that was the pandemic um, and the impact that had. And you know, I think every single football club has felt the the pinch with sponsors, etc. Maybe not being as big at deals as, as we've had in the past. So this is a is a massive. Not lifeline, you know, it's not a crucial thing for us by any by any stretch, but it helps give us that little boost going into next year. Because we've, you know, we don't make any, um, be around the bush with anything that, you know, we want to get out of this league and get back into the championship and then yeah. continue to push on back to the WSL. So, but we have to do that being completely sustainable and something like this gives us that, that boost and that interest um, to hopefully continue the growth beyond it, not just a kind of boom and bust one game, but how can then we capitalise on this interest for the rest of the season? Um, is is a really funny one with our fixtures. We were hardly at home in the first half of the season. This game falls in the middle of a kind of run of home games. So after this game, we've still got another three, four home games on the bounce. So
0: you get that yeah, momentum it's about
3: that. Yeah, it's that springboard, mm. that kind of platform to go... We understand there are people who will come to our game on Sunday who have maybe never, ever watched a women's game, have probably never even been to Fairfax Park, even though they may live quite close. And it's a, for us, it's about that max Day experience, that fan engagement, that product on the pitch that will hopefully turn those that are there and go, wow, I want to come back next week. This is, you know... It is a bit different to the men's game. We all understand that. But the positives of the women's game and, and what it brings and the family side to it and, and all those parts, that's really what we want to showcase on, on Sunday.
0: Oh, it's going to be some atmosphere. I wish you the best of luck as well. We may well be speaking to you again next Monday if you provide an upset for us as well. <laughs> uh, very good luck to you and thanks for joining us.
3: Thank you very much. And yeah, hopefully we'll see you next week
0: that's COO of Bridgewater United you and Greenhill very much good luck uh, to them against Manchester United uh, by the way we're going to be doing the draw for the fifth round live on Women's Football Weekly at around 7:30 p.m. next Monday so join us for that in other cup news as well we're going to be bringing you live commentary of both Conti Cup semi-finals on Talk Sport 2 so Chelsea against Manchester United is on Wednesday the 2nd of February at 7 and Manchester City against Tottenham hopefully Rebecca in goal on uh, Thursday, the 3rd of Feb, also at 7 o'clock. And we'll have live commentary of the final as well, a plough lane on the 5th of March. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faker Others. Becky Spencer's with me too. Next, we're going to hear from FIFA best winner Lucy Bronze. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football with me, Faker others and Becky Spencer of Tottenham Hotspur and Jamaica, of course. Last week, Lucy Bronze was named in FIFA's Best 11. She's only just come back from injury, but has already shown how important she is for Manchester City. Talk Sports Bradley Hayden caught up with the England right back to find out about her long journey back from injury.
4: Lucy, thanks so much for joining me. Um, first things first, how pleased are you just to be back on the pitch again? Yeah, really pleased. Um, it's been a while, but I think
5: to other people make it seem like longer than it is. Uh, yeah, I, I knew exactly what I had to come up against having surgery and how long it was going to be. And I was quite focused on my training the entire time and knew that I was going to miss a couple of games or well, a couple of months of games um, so, yeah, it's kind of flown by and now I'm back on the pitch and and raring to get, you know, 100% and back to to being in top form.
4: As much as, you know, you, you're saying you were focused there on on your your comeback. How difficult what was it watching on from the sidelines in, in those first few months of the season, especially with, with City, uh, you know, having lots of issues with, with injuries, etc.?
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I think for me, I was watching more as a fan than as a player because I knew there was nothing I could do. I couldn't, I had, there was no faster way of getting myself back on the pitch. And, you know, I don't know that one right back would have made a difference to the team back then, um, but it was difficult was watching the girls and being in around them and, and knowing that they were unhappy. And as a team, we were unhappy with the results that we were getting and getting a few points on the board here and there. Um, so yeah, it wasn't easy in that respect, but I knew there was nothing I could do, but it just, I guess it kept me motivated in the gym to make sure I worked hard to get myself back on the pitch to, to help make the, make the difference when I did get back and start winning games again.
4: And you mentioned during the interview you did with City's website as well, that, you know, you had some ups and downs with, with your recovery. Can you talk me through that and, you know, what it's like going through that process of getting yourself back on the pitch? Yeah, I think anybody who has
5: a surgery, you're going to have ups and downs. Um, it's a lengthy process and there's, it's not one route for everyone. Um, The surgery that I had is very unique as well. The surgeon that actually was with the best guy in England uh, for knees, Dr. Andy Williams, and I think he's only performed the surgery a handful of times, whereas an ACL, he probably does that, yeah, like 10 times a week. Um, So in that respect, it was an up and down road because the people around me didn't know much about the injury either. Um, Yeah, I think I spoke to maybe... 10 different physios and only one physio rehabbed a person with the same surgery. So it was quite a new unique thing. Um, So, yeah, each week was a different problem and different solutions to find. But I think that's part of being injured. There's nobody who goes through surgery and has a completely smooth uh, kind of rehab process. That's just the way it is. We just all like to say that
4: we put on a smile and say, yeah, everything's going great. It's fine. But in reality, there are ups and downs. You mentioned there of it being a unique injury and not people knowing so much about of it. As a player, is that unnerving or do you kind of embrace that new experience of, of learning more about you know, your body and what you need to do to get back on the pitch?
5: I think for 99% of players, it would probably be unnerving. I don't think it was for me. I suffered a lot of knee, inj- knee injuries quite early on in my career, uh, in my late teens, early 20s. Um, I went to university and studied a lot around knee injuries so I've always put myself in the best position to to know everything I, I can possible about my body and the way my knee is um so I've come become a bit of an expert um and always like to be that way and I ask a lot of questions of the physios and the staff around me to make sure that I know what's going on and they know that I know um so yeah I think for me it was it was quite a smooth process because of that um But yeah, I think for most people having a unique surgery can be quite stressful, but it was a decision that I ultimately took and it was all put on me and said, it's up to you whether you want to do this or not. Um, And I researched it myself at home, sat on my laptop and had all the conversations with all the right people. And
4: yeah, I think so far it's been the right decision. Sounds like he knew more than the actual doctor himself didn't come the, come the end of it. <laughs> yeah. I was walking in and I said,
5: Oh, I heard this, this, and this. And he was like, How do you know that? And I said, Oh, I've been looking at medical journals. And he was like, That's no surprise. He's the same surgeon that I've had like 10 years ago. So he looked at my knee 10 years ago. Um, and then he went at my knee this time and he was like, We to be fair, your knee looks pretty much the same as when I went in last time, apart from like this new problem. Um, so he was like, Pretty impressed that I've kept it in such good health for the past ten years, even though I've just played hundreds of games every year.
4: You mentioned in one of your early answers, or Matt, about, about how much the results in the first half of the season, you know, impacted the team, and you were really unhappy about it. Just how much did, did those results impact the team, and maybe the morale around the, the training ground? Um, I think the
5: morale of the girls, yeah, wasn't as highest, but I think everybody was putting the work in and training and, um, you know, trying not to dwell too much on bad results or bad performances. And I think we knew that, you know, once we get people playing, you know, once we get the ball in the back of the net once, you know, the goals would start to flow a bit like it has kind of this week uh, with the games. But yeah, it's hard to kind of get yourself out of a hole when the teams around you are also doing well. You know, in that period, we played a lot of teams who were, were in a lot of confidence, playing good football, um, yeah, winning games, and had their momentum. And equally, we were trying to fight against that whilst trying to get ourselves out of a bit of a bit of a runt. But the morale for the girls was was really good, and it was especially difficult because each week there was another player missing or another another long injury. We had to deal with that, and you know, you came in one day and there was like ten injuries in the physio room. Um, whilst we're trying to look after the players who are playing every single minute. Yeah, I think that was probably the most difficult thing was just managing everything that was going on in, in behind the scenes.
4: I mean, since the turn of the year now, it, it really seems like you've turned a corner with, with three big results. I'm beating in five now, I think, as well. I mean, does it really feel like, you know, City have turned a corner and we are going to see them getting back towards the, their best?
5: Yeah, I think the the fact that like I said, we've got a lot of players fit and healthy now uh makes a huge difference. You know, the three games that we had, I think we earmarked these three games as that we should be winning them. Um and maybe before Christmas we might have been worried, but I think we came back after Christmas and you know had a had a good mindset. We knew we had three games where, you know, you put these two team sheets on paper. And you say that City got to win this game, um, and I think we saw that in the Brighton game. You know, it, once we got that first goal, it was just a matter of one after the other. It, it kind of opened the floodgates a bit, and I think that's what it's been like all season. It's just waiting for that one goal to then boost the confidence. And yeah, that Brighton game's definitely boosted the confidence of of all the team. Once we got that that goal in the second half, the, the goals have just been flowing ever since. Um, but yeah, we know there's a lot more tougher teams and tougher challenges ahead still. Um, so I don't think we, we're kind of out of the water yet,
4: but we're, we're definitely going in the right direction now. Definitely. And what would you say is the aim for, for City for, for the rest of this season? Well, I think there's, you know, there's still silverware up for grabs. Um,
5: I think the Champions League spot is definitely... You know, we we could we could turn that around in a matter of weeks if we wanted to. Um.
0: Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under
1: a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig
5: But yeah, we've, we're in the quarterfinal of the Conte Cup. The FA Cup's only just started now. Um, and yeah, we can just keep just keep picking up points in the league. And I think as we've seen with the league this year, it's probably been the most competitive. I know we say that every year, but every year we say it, but still the, the team that wins the league only ever loses one game. Whereas now, you know, we spoke about the start of the season. Our City have lost a few games now. That's them out the title race. But then you look at... Chelsea and, and Arsenal lost to the bottom of the league Birmingham last weekend which was a huge shock and Chelsea have dropped points so yeah I think you just never know we just need to focus on us getting the points you know we know that it's out of our hands in terms of winning winning the league or, or getting Champions League spot if we just get the three points every weekend then we put ourselves in a very good position
4: what would the message be then to the rest of the league would it kind of be underestimate us as you, as your peril really considering all the players you you've got coming you've had coming back onto the pitch i mean i think all the other teams in the league know that i think they know that before
5: christmas and the start of the season was a rough patch for city and i think a lot of teams took full advantage of the fact that we were a bit weakened and we were low on confidence um, but I, i'm sure all the teams know now that you know, we've got a good group of players back fit um, who have been missing. We've got offloads of the team back and we're putting the ball in the back of the net, which is what we struggle with for a little bit as well in the first half of the season. So I think, you know, I don't think we particularly need to talk too much. I think I'd like to think the teams in the league have enough respect for the city to, to know, the, know what we're capable of.
4: And two big be- Pieces of business as well in the last couple of weeks as well with City, tying um, Lauren Hemp and Steph Horton down to to new deals. I mean, how important is that? Yeah, well, I think I think Steph's probably one of the longest-serving
5: players on the team. Um, and obviously, she's been the captain for the ever since the team's kind of been in the top league. So I think uh, she's kind of a, a cornerstone of, of the club. And then Hemp, Hemp obviously Lauren's more one of the biggest rising stars in in world football at the minute. Um, a player that, you know, at, on her best day will, will tear any kind of defender or any defence apart. Um, and, yeah, she, I think for Lauren as well, she's got s- so much more development, um, so much more that she can do, so much more that she can be, not only for this club and for England, but for herself. Um, you know, I think she's one of the youngest members of the team. But, yeah, she's definitely got... She doesn't need me to tell her that she's got a bright future ahead of her. Uh, she's got plenty of people around her telling her that. But yeah, I think it's, it's really good to get both of them signed to the club.
4: And just a couple of quick questions on England as well. I mean, how excited are you to, to put the line, this is jersey back on again in the, in the future and, and work with Serena Viegman as well? Yeah, really excited. I've spoken with Serena now a lot um, since the last
5: camp. We've we've spoken of it, which I hadn't actually spoken to her before that, and all the girls have been telling telling me about camp. Um, but it's nice to have spoken to her, and we're both kind of excited to finally get to work with each other, having uh, crossed paths in the in the past. Uh, but it'd be nice to to pull on an England shirt, and especially this next camp, um, got three big games, um, and I think everybody's talking about the fact that the lionesses haven't really been tested under Serena yet. Um, we've done really well with the games that we've played in qualifiers and you can only play what's put in front of you but now we're going to have teams put in front of us that are, you know, gold medalists, world-beaten teams with world-class talent so we'll, we'll see how we fare up against them as a team and how Serena matches us up against some of the best teams in the world.
4: And, l- and lastly as well, I mean, you've said before that over the next three years could be the most important sort of period for women's football in this country. Could it be said that maybe this year is the most important, considering, you know, we've got the Euros on home turf, and if England were able to to lift it, the amount of, wa- the wave of sort of emotion would, would really sort of take over the country?
5: Yeah, definitely. I think this next six months is huge for women's football in England. You know, that, that tournament even that I spoke about, I think that'll be a good way of of getting crowds in and getting the fans really excited about the tournament in the summer. Um and especially the fact that we're we're playing all around the country, it'll get you know catch a few people's eyes. Um, and yeah, like I said about the league, the fact that it's so competitive and and the games are going, you you, well, you don't know which way the games are going. Each each time you turn up uh, at a weekend, and some some teams are doing really well, some are struggling. And you know the likes of of Tottenham and and West Ham are coming in and 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 bullying some of the other teams, and the teams who are gone potentially could get relegated or beating the teams at the top. So I think stuff like that brings a lot of excitement to women's football and hopefully that just kind of flows into the excitement towards the Euros. and Yeah, like the Euros. The Euros is kind of where it starts and in terms of the bigger picture. But yeah, if we, if we do really well there, that'll be that'll put us in a great position to change the next few years of, of women's football.
4: Just got a couple of very quickfire questions for you. What was the first football shirt that you ever owned?
5: Um, I owned a, a full Portugal kit. I think it was the year they made the the Euros final and they got beat by Greece. Obviously, my dad's Portuguese, so I've I always wanted a Portugal kit and I loved Luis Figo.
4: So, it would, would Figo be the the player that you looked up to when when you were younger, or were there other other players that you sort of try to look up to and aspire yourself to to be like?
5: Um, I, I don't think I ever try to copy any of these other players. I think oh. as a young as a young child, I'd, I didn't think I would be. I didn't think I would get to where where I've got to. Um, I just absolutely loved playing against my brother and playing against the boys and and trying to beat them and knock them down. Um, but yeah, I think Luis Figo. I think I I always like to make links to the fact that I'm Portuguese and English. So that Portuguese side of I me in football was one that I was really proud of. And yeah, the fact that they've had great players come through like Luis Figo. I did like to be like, yeah, I'm Luis Vigo because I'm Portuguese as well.
4: <laughs> and, you know, being in your position, you might have met some some famous people. So what's the most starstruck you've ever been when, you, when you've met someone or a celebrity or a former footballer? Um,
5: I remember at the, the Ballon d'Or when Ada Hegerberg won the Ballon d'Or, the first women's one, and we were sat in the front row. And then Ada won it and she came down and she was sat two seats across from me. And she just was holding this and she was like, I don't know where to put it. And then behind us, um, Roberto Carlos, like, tapped me on the shoulder and was like, oh, I've got a seat next to me that's spare. Like, do you want to put it? So I went, he just said he'll give it. So we got to give it. And then I have turned around. And at this point, my Portuguese has gotten really bad and my French is quite good. So I've got to speak Portuguese because he's Brazilian. And I've just said, cuidado, which means, like, be careful. But then I'd give it to my cuidad and then he started speaking back to me in Portuguese and I was like, oh my God, I don't even know what he's just said. I was like, I don't know why, I've just done that. I've just tried to speak to Roberto Carlos in Portuguese and then I've just had to turn around because I have no idea what he's just said back to me. <laughs> I've been cool speaking to him and then I've just had to like play it off like I
0: didn't hear him in the middle of the of ceremony. Tough when you've got injuries like that. But Lucy Bronze is such a a, a fantastic character and strong character. She's the type of person that comes and bounces back from these things pretty easily.
6: Yeah, I mean, like she said, you know, she's been through so much and, you know, She's built that mental resilience, I think, to to be able to bounce back because it's not easy at all. Like she said, it's a it's a very lonely place to be when you're injured. Um, so for a character of Lucy Bronze, I didn't expect anything less of her. Um, you know, and I'm actually really happy that she's back on the pitch again, and you know, for everyone to see because she's such a talent and you know, such a big name in the game. Um, so to have one one of the best players back in back in the league again is is something that we can be happy for and be proud of.
0: Yeah, Manchester City definitely pleased about that. In terms of injury, there's there's also COVID to contend with this season. And mm. we mentioned at the top of the show, you, you yourself suffered from, from COVID in November and you feel it's- as if you've had long COVID and that's something that we actually haven't spoken about here on, on Women's Football Weekly and the impact that can have to an elite athlete. How, how's it affected you?
6: Yeah, I think, you know, before you have COVID, you kind of think, oh, you're not going to get it. I think that's was the main thing. Oh, no, surely I won't get it. And when I did finally get it, I was a real mess, you know, to be quite honest with you. I didn't expect it to hit me as hard as it did. Um, and then the return to play for me was really difficult. Obviously, being asthmatic as well, you know, I wasn't, you know, I couldn't read my body very well. You know, I was going back into training. I was always out of breath. I didn't realise whether it, whether it was from COVID or whether it was just the intensity of the training. I couldn't kind of get to grips with how I was really feeling Um, and there was days where I just felt really really tired and you know just lethargic and you know just not fully there Um, but luckily I was at you know a great club of of Spurs who you know really looked after me through that period and and made sure that I took the necessary time to, to kind of get back and you know to start just feeling myself again and they respected that and they respected me as a player and as a human which is you know so important for all for all teams and all players that they need to respect it and give it the time that it needs.
0: Yeah, and I think that's quite key, isn't it? Because it, it's very simple just to say, yeah, we've got these players out with COVID, but actually elite athletes take longer and and the 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 type of training you know i had covid when i was six months pregnant and believe me it was definitely not a barrel of laughs for 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 sure i've also got asthma it's a really tough thing but the kind of intensity of training that that you guys go through it's then really tough how how are you feeling with it now do you feel like you're getting your, your your fitness fully back
6: yeah i mean i feel great um but there's still times where i'm tired um where I necessarily wouldn't feel tired. So I kind of feel like them effects of it. Um, But yeah, I'm starting to feel great again. And like I said, Spurs have been fantastic through that, that period and that process for me. Um, But I just think, you know, for all players, if you do get it and you don't feel like you've had
0: symptoms or whatnot, I think, you know, it's, it's best if they, you know, really just listen to their bodies. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, there is one other story that dominated many headlines across this week in the world of women's football. Um, We've decided here on Women's Football Weekly that we're not going to give it any credence at all, any credibility, because it has no credibility whatsoever. Uh, If you didn't know about it, um, it's a national newspaper's story in inverted commas on page three of their paper and... I think enough has been said about it and we will not be going in depth with it at all because it does not deserve any of our time or attention as I've just given it some time and attention, but that's all it's getting from us. Uh, right, Becky Spencer, delight to have you with us in the studio. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I hope to see you back again soon. A big thank you to Becky Spencer, Ewan Greenhill, Lucy Bronze, Bradley Hayden, Producer Flo and of course all of you as ever for listening. Don't forget if you do miss any of the show, you can download the Women's Football Weekly Podcast via the TalkSport app.